0: Hello! This is Rish Outfield and this is the Rish Out cast. I watch a lot of YouTube. I was about to say, a, well, I did say it, a lot of YouTube. But compared to my nephews, I watch some YouTube and something that you tire of. I'm using the royal U now instead of I tire of is when people tell you to subscribe, when they tell you to hit the like button, they tell you to smash the button, they tell you to support them on Patreon, they tell you that you can leave a tip on YouTube. I understand why they do it. And I realize that they are doing something that I should be doing and try to do on my podcasts, but I should do it more. I just don't want to reach the point where it seems obligatory and scripted. And uh, yet, I'm gonna start this episode by saying, please support me on Patreon. Over on my Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash I do a monthly address. Where I talk about something that is going on either in my world or in my head. And the most recent one that I did, I was talking about trying to help my nephew with his homework and how unwilling he was to be helped or to do the homework. It was frustrating. And I said, if I had done this toward the end of the month, I'd be talking about the comic convention that is next week. But unfortunately, I'm recording it a couple of days before, and maybe I'll do an episode about it. And here I am, about to do an episode about it. The most recent episode of my podcast that I finished was originally called It Knows What Amuses You. And it was a riff on Poltergeist's It Knows What Scares You. Oh, I've reached that point. <laughs> There it is, Washburn. It's like Mark Wahlberg's stomach, kids. It's hard for me to be brief on my podcast. And I always come up with other things that I could have talked about. Or, oh, I should have said this kind of thing. Oh, so it was a riff on Poltergeist. It knows what scares you. But then I thought about the episode I had done where I used that line from Jaws. I don't think that's funny at all. And I I suppose that I had intended to talk about the two sketches that I wrote and whether they were funny or not, but I didn't. And so it knows what amuses you is not, was not appropriate. But at one point, early, early on, I said, maybe I'll call this episode science fiction double feature. And then I sang the entire song of Silence Fiction Double Feature from Rocky Horror Picture Show in Fake Sean's voice. And I'll be honest, I did consider cutting it out or cutting out the second half of it. But the episode was so short anyway (laughs) that I didn't. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is that these things aren't scripted. I, I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about. I'm not sure how long I'm going to talk. And so coming up with a title is better afterward. Maybe not. <laughs> but, but, but I don't know how... Oh. Don't know. Thank you. I'm not sure how much detail to go into on my experience with comic conventions. The very first... One I went to was probably 2003, maybe 2002, in Los Angeles. Yeah, I, I hate L.A. It's a song. And it was very, very small. There were a few fans, a few creators, and a couple of panels. And as the comic world sort of exploded after... X-Men, and especially Spider-Man, you know, when we started getting hit after hit, instead of what we had had before with, like, failure after failure, like Batman and Robin and Spawn and Catwoman and Elektra, you know, these things. Once the movies started to be hits, there was a bunch more attention at these cons. And Marvel started paying actors, to show up on these panels. And you started getting people there who were fans of the movies and not just fans of the comics or of the cartoons. And it started to become a big money-making venture. And so I went to several San Diego Comic-Cons and uh, two of them I had my podcasting buddy accompanying me. And um, They got bigger and bigger and more and more crowded until I had a bad experience on the last one. And I've talked about it before, but I haven't gone into detail because it seems petty. But the punchline is I had spent the night in line and due to some kind of error, they let people who had just gotten in line go ahead of us, of those of us who had sacrificed sleep and a bed and then we didn't get in and it was enough to make me say okay how much do i want to do this after this experience i just i had felt so sick because it wasn't just the night that i wasted it was all day too. and if they had told me okay you're not going to get into any of these panels even though you've spent the night I could have at least gone into the convention and done other things and seen other things and gone to panels and stuff. But instead, I spent the whole night and day on the ground. I've not talked about that before because it's, you know, first world problems. I didn't want to come off too whiny because I had put myself there. I had chosen to be in that line. And when they started to screw me over, I stayed in the line almost went on a tangent there, but I'm not going to. But luckily for me, my state started having conventions as well. And they started out pretty big. 10 years ago, they did one and they were blown away by the turnout. It, I, I think that they had expected, you know, we could get 20,000, 30,000 fans there. And I think 70 showed up, something like that. So They've started putting more and more money into it. And eventually it was just like, I don't need to go to San Diego Comic-Con and suffer anymore. Although part of me misses it. And that's a a topic for another conversation. Although maybe not. This can be my big convention podcast. I haven't done one in a while. I used to do a report every time I went to San Diego Comic-Con. But how long has that been, right? 2016, I think, was the last one. Think of it. Anyhow. Luckily, I also have a cousin, my cousin Ryan, who is super into comics. He's a DC guy rather than a Marvel guy. Uh, And he's got three daughters, and all three of them have enjoyed coming to these cons over the past 10 years. And I think that that's cool. You know, I took my nephew with me on the very, very first one, and he was five. And I believe he was dressed as Thor... And he was young enough and naive enough that there was a guy dressed as Thor, a cosplayer, and he thought it really was Thor, the real Thor. That was a very cool experience. And uh, he was a very good-looking little kid, very adorable cosplayer, and he was game to dress up and to go, and I love him for it. But all things change, all things people grow up and grow apart. And now he's 15. And a couple months back when I said, okay, I'm finally going to get tickets for this con. Do you want to go? He was just like, um, I don't know. know. That one doesn't count because it was a quote. And I said, oh, okay. And that was it. I didn't think about it again. I didn't buy him a ticket. And uh, I, I still don't feel bad about not buying him a ticket, but I got me one and my cousin got one for him and for his daughters and his daughter's cousin, which I guess is his niece. And here's, here's one more plug for my Patreon. If you support me on Patreon and listen to my October address of 2023, I will tell you the big punchline of how the con ended this one that I'm talking about right now because I got to leave something for that and that I had already given the setup for so I'll pay it off there but believe me I'll have plenty to say on this one too much probably my cousin's oldest daughter is now 17 and she's a woman which may sound strange to you listening she has matured very, very fast. Anyway, she came with us, along with her cousin, and her cousin uh, stays silent and doesn't participate in the conversations. And maybe she was on her phone the whole time, or listening to music, like my nephew always does, which I hate. Lots of times I'll have a conversation with him, and then I'll realize, oh, he's actually listening with his earbuds, or watching his phone instead of having this conversation with me. Yeah, I have become the destroyer of... No, a grown-up. I have become a grown-up. And that's weird. But anyway, she, she was talking to us about movies and the panels that we wanted to go to versus the panels that she wanted to go to. And in the past, they have put out a online schedule of like all the panels and all of the... Presentations and stuff like that, so you can decide where you want to be each hour, and it's very, very useful and very helpful, but this year it was slipshod, it was very badly done. it was not possible to know what panel was coming up when unless you somehow had like a a printout of all of them and they could cross out all of the non-relevant items. And, and what I discovered was that it's because of the strike. Because there was a SAG-AFTRA slash WGA strike going on, a lot of the talent that they had brought was not able or not willing or not comfortable doing panels and Q&As. They were fine to sign autographs and they were fine to do photo ops for an obscene amount of money, but they canceled their panels. There were several celebrities that we wanted to see. And in the past, they would say spotlight on Jared Padalecki, you know, and it would be an hour where he would talk about his career and you could ask him questions, tell him how darn cute he is. And this year, there were a few of those, but it was about 20% of the talent that had come, of the celebrities that had come. Most of the others were afraid of being called scabs or afraid. It might not have had anything to do with fear. Their management said, you can't do this. Uh, For example, Zachary Levi and three named kid, Brian something grazer, who played Billy Batson and Shazam in the two Shazam movies were there and they would sign autographs and they would do pictures with you. Uh, But when it came time to do their panel, they said, Hey, we can't talk about the movie Shazam. We can't talk about the making of it. Can't ask any questions about what we might do in the future. So what we're going to do is talk about our lives, our philosophies, the things that we like, and if you've got a question about that, bring it up. (laughs) And so it was disappointing. The most disappointing thing was that this was the big back-to-the-future year where they brought Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Thomas L. Wilson, James Tolkien, and Michael J. Fox over so they could have a big, hilarious and heartwarming panel with these celebrities talking about Back to the Future. But because of the strike, they canceled their panel. They were still there if you wanted to pay, I think it was $400 to be in a picture with them, $229 to be in a picture with Michael J. Fox. They were still there, but I didn't get to see them because I wanted to go to their panel and I just, I didn't have the money to waste on a... And I use that word. I use the word waste. It's not a waste if you think that it's great to have a picture of you and fill in the blank celebrity. It's not a waste if you are super proud of the autograph that you got and you display it or you should tell everybody about it. Or it's one of your prized possessions. I know a guy who got Harrison Ford's autograph and... He's got it in a frame and it's a big deal. And I'll bet everybody that comes into his study or office or office, I guess, he tells him about it. But me, I've gotten several autographs and they're all in a book somewhere. The only one that I ever used to display was when it was posters. And then I had a drawing of Bart Simpson that Matt Groening did for me Uh, and I had that in a frame, a glass frame. And when I was moving recently, the frame cracked. And I was very afraid of cutting myself on it. And I thought, why did I have this in a glass frame? Why not plastic? I don't know, Margot. I ran into a friend named Irene, who I used to work with at my last job. And she had gone and gotten a picture with Michael J. Fox and I asked her how it was and she got very melancholy and said, I'm not sure if he'll be around for, for more of these. So I was willing to spend the money and I'm glad that I did, but it made me very sad. And the guy ahead of me was crying when he got his picture taken with Michael J. Fox. And I, that touched me and that made me sad and it, it, mortality makes me sad. And they say, never meet your heroes. And I get that. I really do. A lot of times when you find out that somebody is a human being, it's a disappointment. A lot of times you catch somebody just on a bad day or something, and it's, you know, it's a disappointment. Every once in a while, you know, somebody turns out to be a bad person, and it changes your perception of them of, uh, and your feelings for them. And for the most part, that didn't happen with me. You know, Shatner is a good example of somebody that I still love. And I've met him a couple of times. i worked with him. And uh, I think he's great. Anyhow, the panels were very, very, very pared down because of the strike. And that's too bad. But I've gone to plenty of panels. I've seen... Robert Downey Jr. dressed as Tony Stark. I've seen Samuel L. Jackson screaming about snakes on a plane. I've seen Tom Hiddleston dressed as Loki telling us to kneel, that we were made to kneel. Great stuff. I saw Jessica Biel one time answer a question from a mouth-breathing, overweight dork like me, or, or maybe even worse off than me when she had the opportunity to tell him that she was disgusted with him or, you know, I am attractive and you are not, so I'm not going to treat you like a person. And she didn't. She spoke to him as if they were on the same level and, and she was super friendly. And from that day on, I liked Jessica Beale. I was just like, hey, that girl is cool. Anyhow, we were going And the day before, or a couple days before, my sister said, are you going to Comic-Con? And I said, yeah. And she said, are you taking the boys? And I said, neither of them showed any interest. And she didn't believe me. I found that strange. She said, the 15-year-old wants to go. And I said, I didn't know that. He should have said something. And so I talked to him, and I said, well, look, if you come with us. You'll have to get in a different line than we are because we've already paid for our tickets, but you'll have to pay for yours. But yeah, we're going. And and Ryan says he has room for you. And it's something that was very strange. He said, would you stand in the line with me? And I said, no, I, I already bought my ticket. Why would I stand in the line with you? And he's like, well, I don't want to be in the line by myself. Which I appreciated, which was vulnerable, which was uh, it flies in the face of this kid that is always on his phone and always has better things to do than to talk to me. So he did come with us and this year was so disorganized that there weren't two lines for people who were picking up tickets and people who were buying tickets. There was a gargantuan line. It started on one side of the building and then went all the way around the building and then looped. And unfortunately, we went the wrong way around the building. And uh, ended up getting in line very, very close to where we originally arrived to try to find the end of the line. We'd just gone uh, completely around two blocks of city until we finally got there. But that's okay. You know complaining about there being a lot of people, complaining about there being lines, complaining about things costing a lot of money, complaining about how your feet hurting. Those are all part and parcel of going to these cons. And when we finally got up to the front of the line, and yeah, this is, this is another strange thing. I've talked about my, my niece. It's, she's not my niece. I talked about my cousin's daughter. She wanted to hang out with me and Ryan instead of go off with the kids, whereas my nephew, the 15 year old, he was content to just do his own thing and not be tethered with me, which is fine now that he's big, but when he was little, it was bad. And, and I have talked before about losing him one of the years that we went to the con, and I lost him for over an hour. He was just gone. And finally, a policeman, him And they, you know, took him someplace and they announced my name and um, we were able to be reunited. I, I have told that story before, but now he's old enough that it doesn't matter. Plus he has a cell phone constantly in his ear and Ryan's three daughters all enjoyed going. Two of his daughters went all three days. It was on Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And um, it started at like two o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday. So his kids didn't have to miss school, but my nephew chose to. And I told him, just go to school and I'll pick you up, you know, at noon around lunchtime. And he, he, he just wouldn't, but he is a very, very good student. He does all of his homework without having to be asked. And so it's fine. If he wanted to skip a day, I think his mom probably cleared it. Anyhow, When we finally got up to the front of the line, yeah, it was just the same kiosk for buying a ticket as for picking up your ticket. They hadn't sent out wristbands this year because they were disorganized. I'm not going to lay all the blame at them. Uh, Maybe the strike did screw everything up. Maybe they had a bunch of guests cancel at the last minute. Because of that, I'm not sure. But it, it was the least organized I've seen. And my nephew bought a, a wristband, but he really didn't even need one. They didn't scan them. The only thing that they checked for was weapons. And I get that. My cousin said that they had a big pile of knives, daggers at security, where they had confiscated them. And they would put a twist tie on them, along with the name and telephone number of the owner, I guess, and you could pick it up at the end of the con, but they wouldn't let you take it in. And I, I found that interesting. But at the same time, it's just like, who would take a real knife to a con? I, th- there were a lot of people cosplaying and a lot of really professional, really wonderful outfits. There were some that, that sucked. But the people that really take this seriously, wow, they, they're so, so impressive. We've talked about that before. I I did do episodes of the Delusions of Grandeur podcast where I talked about Star Wars Celebration last year and that there would be cosplayers who don't get to go to any of the panels or the Q&As or the preview screenings. Their whole con is taken up with, hey, could I get a picture with you? Oh, hey, could I get a selfie with you? Oh my gosh, your costume is so great. Can I get a picture? And they know that and they seem okay with it. Anyhow, we got up to the front and we went in and my nephew went off to see if he could find bargains, people that are selling things for cheap. And that is rare. You don't usually get that because it costs so dang much for a booth uh, at at, at, at these cons that you have to mark things up or sell a ton of stuff to make it worth your while. And last year we had encountered these guys named Jawa brothers and it's uh last year it was two Hispanic brothers and their mom that were there this year it was three of them and their mom that was here and what was crazy is the head Jawa brother remembered us but not only did he remember me and my nephew he remembered what we had bought last year and If you've listened to my episodes where I talk about selling toys, you find out that I'm not a good businessman. I am very quick to lower my prices or sell myself short. And yet I am a consummate huckster compared to this guy, the Jawa brother guy. He would dicker with himself. He'd say, okay, I'm asking 100 for this, but I'd give it to you for eight, uh, 75 Well, for you, I'd give it to you for 65 if you want. Or, and I'd go down to 60 And I'd be like, I haven't said anything yet. And he'd be like, okay, 50 uh, Yeah, it was just amazing. Like, my nephew bought a Star Wars figure from him that the guy was asking. I think he wanted $60 for. And the guy said, I'll give it to you for $40. And my nephew said, okay. And he started getting his money out. And the guy said, okay, $35. i will give it to you for 35 But my nephew was willing to pay 40 Anyway, we were standing in line for something. And my nephew got that figure out and he took a picture of it. And he listed it on eBay for $100 even. And it sold during the night. I was proud of him. I tried to help the Jawa brother. Yeah. At one point I said, okay, this clone commander Obi-Wan you've got. How much did you say you wanted for it? And he goes, 70, 60? And I said, Well, we just passed a booth that wants $160 for it. And he goes, Oh wow. Huh. Guess you better buy mine. And I I said, Well, I, I'm I'm just telling you that you could get more for it. And he goes, I don't care. I ended up buying it from him for 35 but you're not here for this, are you? I, I'm not sure what you're here for and what you're not here for. I didn't go to a lot of Q&A celebrity type panels. I did go to a few, you know, where it's just fans, where it's just people talking about a subject, a movie, a game, a TV show. And I like those, but the ones at San Diego, it would always be, people who had something to do with those fandoms. You'd go to a Star Trek panel and it would have people who had worked on Star Trek at the panel. Or you go to a, an Animaniacs panel and it's got Jess Hartnell and Tress McGill, can I remember the third, and Rob Paulson in it. The three main voices and Maurice LaMarche just for a bonus on the panel, and I have found that the local one where it's just people talking about werewolves at their panel, oftentimes they are less qualified and certainly less prepared for the panel than I am. And I get frustrated when, I, when I'm when i in the panel and I hear people say, when Return of the Jedi came out in 1984, it was so shocking and violent that they made up a new rating for it. And I'd be like, what? You know, when you hear these things, when I hear these things, I want to get up there and be the guy in the panel. And so I always ask questions in the Q and A like to participate, but I really ought to be on one of those panels. And there's two that I wanted to talk about though. One of them was Pirates of the Caribbean, the movie, Uh, 20 years later 20th anniversary panel or whatever and it was just five people on the panel who had seen the movies and liked them and so they talked about the first movie especially but all of the sequels and favorite moments things that were so great and there was a little bit of trivia but not a lot these were just fans that wanted to share what they liked about it and at one point they talked about the fourth movie which is called On Stranger Tides and I had I saw it when it opened however long ago that was 7 8 years or maybe and I never saw it again I didn't hate it but I didn't think it was too great but two or three of the panelists talked about how good it was and their their uh their pleasure at the fact that this was all about Jack Sparrow. He was the main character and he had a love interest. Everything was tied to him. And I was just like, you know, i uh, the only thing I remember, even the title, I couldn't remember if the third movie was called On Stranger Tides. If so, what is the fourth movie called? It's, it's not Dead Man's Chest. That's the one with Davy Jones in it. What is the fourth movie called? The only thing I could remember vividly. Was that there was a very very cool scene with murderous mermaids, and at some point somebody did mention the mermaids in the panel and how cool they were, and so yesterday I checked out *On Stranger Tides* from the library, and I watched it today, and it was—it wasn't that it was bad; it wasn't bad. But it wasn't good, and it wasn't memorable or special in any way. And I was really surprised, because I I was just like, "Okay, this is taking a while to get started. But once it gets started, no. The mermaid scene is very cool. I stand behind that. But nothing else is. It was bad. everybody agreed on the panel that the next one, Dead Men Tell No Tales, wasn't very good. And I also checked that out from the library because I thought, well, you know, I haven't seen these since the theater. I will give this one a chance too and see. But if the people on the panel that liked On Stranger Tides didn't like Dead Men Tell No Tales, oh, no. That is That had nothing to do with the con, did it? I guess I just wanted to mention... Boy, it just... It, it was okay. It was slightly above mediocre. Anyhow, the other panel that I went to was... They had a Scream reunion. And it had... Uh, Nev Campbell, Skeet Ulrich, Jamie Kennedy, Matthew Lillard on it. Now, Rose McGowan was supposed to be there. And she did show up later to sign autographs and be in a picture with the other four. But for some reason, she had missed the panel. And on this one, they did tell you at the very beginning, we're not allowed to talk about current projects or any upcoming projects. But we will talk about, you know, things that we've done in the past. And mostly, we'll just make fun of each other because you could tell that these people... Our friends, and I guess they've been doing a ton of these cons together, where they make fun, they jab at each other. And one thing that I found very strange is that Matthew Lillard is sort of ringmaster. He's the most outspoken, the most energetic of these guys. And he would run around the audience and ask people questions with a microphone, which is just really strange. Or, sorry, he would have them ask questions and stuff. At one point, he took a couple of selfies with people in the audience. And my... Oh! My niece... Not my niece. My cousin's daughter, the oldest one, had dressed as Ghostface. That was her cosplay. But she had dressed as a sexy Ghostface. If you used to listen to me and Big... Thank you. On the Steve. We would always talk about the, this trend of having sexy versions of costumes for young girls to dress in. Sexy Freddy Krueger. Sexy Nurse ratchet And yeah, my cousin's daughter. I started saying daughter uh, for some reason during the... It's, it's brain damage is why I started saying it. But now I can't stop my cousin's daughter was sexy ghost face with like lots of skin showing and cleavage. And uh, she wanted to go to the screen panel, having never seen any of the screen movies. And I, I didn't understand that, except for that, you know, she's dressed as ghost face. She would probably want to go see people talk about ghost face. And she goes, all I know is that Drew Barrymore is in it, and Jenna Ortega. And I was like, okay. This panel was very fun, mostly because they all have broad personalities, except for Nev Campbell. And they had a lot of fun memories about making Scream, or in Neve's Campbell, making multiple Screams. I guess Brandy was in the first three. But, you know, in the past, they have prepared, like, a sizzle reel for each actor that is on a panel where it will show, like, high points from their career. And they didn't even do that this year. I I think that's what it was. It's just so many panelists were canceling that they weren't sure if they'd even be able to have panels. And it seems like there was a question about, like, Scream 7 or whatever the next one is, that Nev's like, well, uh, can't really talk about that, but stay tuned. And then she'd like look off screen and say, is that okay? So there was somebody there that was like a rep. <laughs> Their union rep had come with them. So I, I'm not sure that there are other things that I want to talk about, really. Oh, okay. I'll end with this. And I know I, well, I've been talking for a while, right? Do you, you know, how much more do you want me to do? How what more do you want from me? Here is something though. So on Saturday, my cousin's middle daughter was going to come to Comic Con, but it was complicated. She couldn't come with the rest of us, but she had convinced her mom to take her, you know, buy her a ticket and come with her. And this was my cousin's wife's very, very first convention. And to say that she was overwhelmed was an understatement. And we had already been there a couple of days, and so everything was the opposite of awesome to us. We, we had seen it all. And as the day progresses each day, and, and you, you start getting tired of the crowds, you start getting... And I've talked about it a, a, a bunch of times, the experience in San Diego where you are in a cattle chute with hundreds if not thousands of other people, and then the person in front of you stops walking and you are forced to stop as well for no reason. You can't move, you can't breathe, everybody smells. That it tends not to be the case with most of these. Although there there have been a couple where we're like, wow. It's like, yeah, the over 100,000 people here today. But my cousin's wife, felt like that's what it was She's like there are this many people oh wow how do you stand it and how you stand it is sometimes you go to a panel that you're not particularly interested in just so you can sit down or you can escape the crowd and last year there was one where Jody Benson was doing like a spotlight on Jody Benson I I remember it was on the very first day and we had had to stand in line for a couple of hours to get in. And so we all wanted to rest. And I said, well, I'd like to go see Jody Benson. And my nephew says, I don't know who that is, but I'll go with you. And so he came in and he sat next to me and looked at his phone for the next 40 minutes. And Benson talked about how she got the part of Ariel and she talked about... Howard Ashman she talked about experiences you know working with Disney and celebrities that she'd met and how much she loves the fans and that character and that movie and at the end of the panel and I guess she does this at every panel but I had not gone to one of hers at the end of the panel she's saying look at this stuff isn't it neat wouldn't you think my she sang, sang the complete, song just a cappella, which girl, she's done a, a thousand times before. Everything. But it, Look she this did scroll, this thing where she pinched up her voice and there was emotion in the voice, even though, boy, like how many times think, has she done it? Sure. I just said a thousand. She's got and my nephew looked up I've from his phone and and he like looked blinting. over at her and he listened got, as she did the song. And then we all clapped and then the panel was over. And he said to me, he leaned over and he said, Holy smoke. That old lady sounds just like the little mermaid. He hadn't even paid enough attention to know that she had been the little mermaid, but still it was a cool panel and we got to rest our feet. And I, I really enjoyed listening to her she's a very very positive person and and hollywood tends to drum a lot of that out of people anyhow back to the beat y'all as someone would say my cousin's wife was just overwhelmed by the crowds and just like and everybody's dressed up and uh There's so much stuff. that Everything's so expensive. Oh, did you see how much they want for food? And my cousin was like, well, yeah, that's why we always go to a food court nearby. We don't eat there. And she's just like, oh, boy, I'm not sure how you guys can stand this. It was very interesting to see a different, an outsider's point of view, if you will. And she just did not thrill to it the way that we have been known to. A lot of the things that we enjoy about these cons, she didn't like. She's like, oh my gosh, look at that guy. He's dressed as a monster. Well, that's Thanos. But yeah, it's a... and she's like, oh, and that guy is in a really, really bad Iron Man costume. Like, yeah, yeah, he is. It's like, oh, there's a fat guy dressed as Superman. <laughs> it's like, well, that is something that you will see a lot of here. And... Uh, Before too long, she was just like, okay, I want to leave. I'm out of here. It's not for everybody. I get that. But it is something that I look forward to. It is something that I enjoy. And I am happy to... I'm happy that I have people that will go with me that look forward to it every single year. And my cousin is lucky, I think, that two and a half of his kids really, really want to do this, want to go enjoy it. I'm not sure how good a storyteller I am. I'm not sure if you have enjoyed me talking about this for an hour. If so, let me know. And thanks for coming along with me on this little diversion. (laughs) Tip your waitresses. Good night.
1: This is fake Sean Connery. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show, where I explain that what you have just suffered through was released under a Creative Commons, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 license. Which means that it is free to download and listen to, but cannot be claimed or sold by anyone else. Feel free to share it with others, especially those whom you despise. Sean, why is this your favorite part of the show? Because it's so important. Uh, Really? Why is it important? Well, because uh, it's important to state that it can't be claimed or offered up for sale by somebody who's a much better marketer than you are. Wait, are you implying that you're a better marketer than I am, Fakeshawn? I'm implying that anyone is a better marketer than you, Rich Outfield. Well, I, I guess it is important then. And sometimes I take this opportunity to invite listeners to comment or to give a good review of the show online. If you've never done that. Never once. And if they really want to help the show and the two of us, one and a half of us technically, that they should go to patreon.com forward slash outfield and support the show for as little as a dollar an episode. They get more and get it earlier, including those insipid polls you like to waste everybody's time with. I do like to waste people's time. Clearly, they can support you on Patreon. Like Scott, the human scum Faust did. Or Dave, the human centipede Wallace did. Or Keith, the human centimeter Tecklitz did. The what? Or Krish, the human bidet White did. Who? Sorry, Chris. Thank you for listening. And try to enjoy the daylight.
0: Wow. Well done, Fake Sean.
1: And the real reason this is my favorite part of the episode. What's that? Because it comes at the end.
0: My cousin's oldest daughter is now 17. And I'm tempted to go on a tangent. Okay, I'm going to flip a coin. If I catch the coin, then I will tell the story. If the coin falls on the ground, then I will skip it. And this will be an outtake. Okay, it hit the ceiling. I never saw it again. All right. When she was about 15, I started to notice that she was... Oh Gosh, yeah, it, it, it sounded pervy. I, I don't mean it in that way. She was, I'm not going to use the word developing. I'm going to use the word maturing. There you go. She was maturing very, very fast. And I thought, she's 15? And, you know, she's already like expressing interest in dating and stuff like that. That's interesting because I was so backward when I was that age. And so is my nephew. Although he shouldn't be, he's not an ugly guy and he's athletic. Anyhow, she she started dating uh, around the time she was 16, she had she got a job and to my surprise, she matured about 5 years in that little time. And then now she's 17 and holy smoke, I'd say she's like 27-28 in like maturity, in the way that she talks and the way that she acts. Maybe she's smart. Maybe she's a prodigy or something like that. But she's also very, very, very outspoken. And she has been for the last couple of years. Whereas normally somebody is timid. Somebody is backward and unsure of themselves. You know, should I speak up? Should I make this joke? Should I make this observation? But she will always insert herself into the conversations that my cousin and I have, which I've found to be something that adults do, not children. And she set her sights on this guy that goes to our high school and found him attractive, I guess, or whatever. And she was talking to him about kind of movies that he likes and he told her that he was a big fan of the insidious franchise and she's just like oh i've never seen any of those you know she she put the the upturn at the end of the sentence and he says oh well would you want to watch them and she said yes i'd love to watch them and he's well if you want you could come over I have them, and we could watch them together. Now listen, I'm projecting the boy's side of the conversation. I have only ever heard her tell the story, but I am projecting myself as a teenager into the boy, which again, sounds very problematic, to use that 2020s word. You'll see where I'm going. So she went to his house, he has some kind of family room where they have a big TV and they have a couch, and she's like, oh, okay, I hope I'm not going to be too scared, and he's like, oh, no, no, it's not so scary. She sits down on the couch, she looks at him, and he sits down on the opposite end of the couch, and she's like, well, that's, that's peculiar, and halfway through the movie, she commented, oh, I'm getting really scared. As a clue for this guy to come cuddle with her. And at this point, when she told me the story, I said, Oh, you know, I, yeah, the horror movie is a perfect date situation where it doesn't matter if you are boyfriend and girlfriend or if it's a first date, you have an excuse to get really, really close because it's a scary movie or grab somebody's hand or their arm or cuddle close together. And she says, I know, but he didn't get it. He spent the whole time over there. And I said, oh, okay. And I wanted to tell her, well, you know, not every boy is going to like you. And it's not your fault. These are things that you cannot control. You can't make somebody like you. But I didn't dare say this because I am not her father. You know what I'm saying. But she said at the end of the movie, He's like, what did you think? She's like, yeah, it was pretty good. And he said, do you want to come over and watch Insidious 2 with me? And she said, yeah. Do you want me to come over and watch Insidious 2? And he's like, okay, how about Tuesday? So Tuesday uh, was when I had come over and gone to my cousin Ryan's house, and she had come in to tell us, how the date went, whatever you want to call it. Do you call it a date? Sure, right? After the conversation, I, I said, you know, it, it sounds like she was sending out all of the signals. But I got to say, maybe he is intimidated by her because she does not act like a 16-year-old. He says, oh, she's 17. I was like, okay. Or a 17-year-old, she acts Like, she's on the cusp of 30, and she has everything figured out. She knows what she wants and knows who she is. And maybe he's a little put off by that. He's a little uncomfortable with that. He doesn't feel like he is on the same level as her. And my cousin's just like, huh, okay. And while we were waiting for the panel to start, I did ask my cousin's daughter. I asked her, you know, did you end up watching all of the Insidious movies with that guy? And she goes, yes. And he's my boyfriend now. And she had this big smile on her face. And I was like, good for you. That's great. Obviously, you know how things are supposed to be done. Unlike me.